2: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema
3: club. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio.
4: It's Tuesday, January 9th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. <laughs>
3: That is the voice of today's special guest. He was a cornerback and return specialist, a second-round pick out of UNC, who did time with the Bills, Packers, Jags, Chiefs, and Raiders in his NFL career. And as we start this NFL postseason, listener, it's important to call out that this man did what the 14 teams in the postseason are hoping to do. He won a Super Bowl. He's the talent scout, sideline reporter, writer, and analyst. He's Bucky Brooks. Welcome back to the pod, Buck.
4: Thanks for having me on. It's been a minute.
3: It has been a minute. Uh, Happy New Year. Still okay to say that? Uh, what's,
4: what's I mean, my, what's I my guess. window of latitude on that? I mean, I guess. I mean, I, how, how
3: long? Okay, how long the way wait? he just said, I guess, and what he did with his eyes, listener, means that he's already annoyed. on June, I, January ninth. Uh,
4: well, this year we'll give you to till the fifteenth. We'll give you the MLK Day, Then at some point we got to put it. We got to be so gotta, ne- So a week from get, a week from yesterday. I guess we'll give you to that. I guess. Like uh, you thank want, you for that for that wanted, sacrifice. You're you wonderful. Wanted, you wanted <laughs> you wanted a full two and a half week run. I'm you one of those idiots, though,
3: Buck. You know this about me. I'm one of those people that I seek connection. It drives my wife crazy. I seek connection with everybody. And if and if saying Happy New Year is a way of connecting, then I'll, I'll take it out for a ride. It's ridiculous. I need to work on it. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy. And on today's show, well, NFL news in two parts. One part fired, mm. one part fired up. Let's get to the first, starting with this
5: lined up in a take a knee formation and they handed it to Jamal Williams I can tell you this, there's been a lot of things that have gone on in this series, that one will not be forgotten. No sir
3: With that touchdown run out of victory formation no less, Jameis Winston and the Saints were branded unsportsmanlike, Falcons head coach Arthur Smith was pissed Oh and Arthur Smith's hot, that Dennis Allen
6: scored a touchdown at the end, he is hot, he said what are you doing and he's going at Dennis
3: Allen a few hours later, Falcons head coach Arthur Smith was fired after his third straight losing mm. season in charge in Atlanta. Later Monday morning, the commanders parted ways with Ron Rivera. The Washington Post reporting that, quote, after his team fell to the Dallas Cowboys Sunday and finished its season with a 4-13 and record, Washington owner Josh Harris fired Ron Rivera early Monday. Harris enlisted former Golden State Warriors general manager Bob Myers and former Minnesota Vikings GM Rick Spielman as part of of an advisory group to help him and his limited partners search for a new head of football operations and head coach, end quote. The Smith and Rivera moves bring the 2023 head coaching casualty number to five. Don't forget, we saw the midseason firings of Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas, Brandon Staley in LA, and Frank Reich in Carolina. Now, one name surrounded with uncertainty at this moment is still Bill Belichick. He is set to meet with Patriots owner Robert Kraft to discuss his future. And there have been whispers that Mike Tomlin of the new playoff bound Steelers may step away after this season. For more on the latest coaching news, let's kick it over to the TA set. Ron Rivera officially
6: out as Commander's head coach, which would probably be the least surprising move of this NFL coaching cycle, probably something that all parties have known for at least a month, probably more. And I think if you you look at the Washington Commanders, you have Josh Harris taking over about a year or so ago, and generally when owners come in, pay $6.05 billion for the team, they want to put their stamp on it. Just considering the results on the field, despite how respected Ron Rivera was, how much he did for the organization over the course of four years, The wins and losses just not what it needed to be, so he is now out, released a statement saying how much he respects the organization, the fans, and how much pride he takes in the culture he built, and so much of what he left is going to be there for the new coach. Listen to what the new coach inherits. The number two overall pick, a lot of cap space, a lot of assets, a roster that clearly does need some work, but plenty of weapons there to move forward with and interestingly here as far as the cadence of how this is going to go the ownership advisory council which is going to help josh harris going to hire someone in charge overarching of football first that person will then be in charge of uh, how to handle the other executives currently in the organization and the head coach hire
3: so bob Myers, the former uh general manager of the golden state warriors Ian, which you uh mentioned earlier today He will be part of that advisory committee. He does have a history with Adam Peters, the assistant general manager with the San Francisco 49ers. They have Washington has requested that interview with Peters. So uh, perhaps a inside track to this job for Peters, who has been sought after the last couple years with regard to general manager coaching jobs. And then who does he want as that coach to replace Ron Rivera? I'll also say this about Rivera. He mentioned in his lengthy classy statement that football is my
0: life, it's a wonderful life, I would not be shocked to see Ron Rivera continue in some kind of pas- capacity inside the NFL, even if it's not a coaching
4: job, maybe it's some kind of gig with the league office. Ron Rivera continue uh, will continue to be a central
3: figure in the NFL for years to come, no doubt. Unfortunately for Bill Belichick, he's had to answer questions about his status moving forward.
0: I'm on a contract, um, do what I always do, which is, you know, every day I come in, work as hard as I can to help the team in whatever way I can. Uh, so that's what I'm going to continue to do.
3: Omar, give me the set the stage for me in terms of what the conversation is like in New England regarding Bill Belichick and his status as this team's head coach moving forward.
6: Mike, Bill Belichick might have had his Jordan Belfort Wolf of Wall Street moment when (laughs) Leonardo DiCaprio says, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. The show goes on. You heard Belichick just say he's under contract. What he learned from his dad is when you work for a football team, you show up to work every single day. You give your best until somebody tells you otherwise. Of course, that somebody might be owner Robert Kraft when those two are expected to meet at some point this week. Belichick saying they might meet several times. Otherwise, it was business as usual here. Bill Belichick meeting with his team for the final time. He said he was going to meet with his coaching staff, the personnel department, and of course Kraft. Belichick also saying he wants to be part of the solution here.
3: Okay, thank you guys. Coaches come and coaches go after six Super Bowl championships in Foxborough. Future Hall of Famer Bill Belichick is on the hot seat and that tells you all you need to know about performance-based security in the NFL. We will have updates as they become available, but Bucky Brooks thank you for your patience let's move on to happier news for the Mm -hmm. remainder of our time together because the playoff picture was finally set in stone after this
5: to a throwing and it's intercepted by rap and that's a wrap on the division for the Buffalo Bills for the fourth straight season
3: It was the final act of Week 18 drama. The Bills outlasting the Dolphins in Miami 21-14, giving Sean McDermott's gang their fourth straight AFC East title. They slide into the two-seed in the AFC and will host the Steelers. Steelers at Bills. That's Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern on CBS. The Bills are favored by 10. A bit disrespectful for a playoff game to the Steelers. Mm -hmm. Bucky, what is the matchup that you believe, sitting here very early in the game, will define this game?
4: Najee Harris uh, versus the bills front line, uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this game, they have to be able to run the football. If they run the football, they can shorten the game and the entire goal when you're the road team and a playoff game, particularly when you're a decided underdog is you just want to get the game into the fourth quarter. You want to make it a 15 minute game. And so if you are the Steelers, the way that you do that is limit the total number of possessions in the game. The way that you do it is you not only run the football, effectively, hopefully you, game first downs, you chew up the clock, but you also begin to slowly and deliberately play the play clock. Um, Years ago, when I was working with the Carolina Panthers, we knocked off the Rams on the way to the Super Bowl. It was the greatest show on turf. And one of the strategies that we employed was a turtle strategy. John Fox instructed Jake Delhomme to not snap the ball until there was fewer than five seconds on the play clock, from the beginning of the game to the end. And normally you do that in four minute offense, but we did that the entire game. His goal was to shrink the game where there were only 12 or so total possessions because he wanted to create a pressure on a team that's a prolific offense to know that we may not get the ball back, so we kind of get out of character. You go faster, you kind of get them into a chaotic situation. Looking at Pittsburgh and the way that they played, the last few weeks they've been able to run the ball successfully. Mason Rudolph has given them a jolt by being able to be an effective passer. But it all starts with the run. If they can run the football and kind of knock Buffalo around, it will give them an opportunity to dictate the terms to the Buffalo Bills. And
3: They have run the tread off their sneaks, so to speak, uh, running it over 90 times in the last two weeks combined. Uh, It's a 60-minute NFL game. But Bucky Brooks says if the Steelers can make it a 15-minute NFL game, if they can be in the conversation uh, on game script with 15 minutes to go, with one quarter to go, watch out, Bills. The pressure has now shifted to your sideline. Your Bills have every expectation to win this game. Bucky, if they do win it, it will have been
4: because of what? Josh Allen being the one-man show that he is. They've done a really good job of late of kind of balancing it out. James Cook, we saw him. Have a run where they're running the football effectively. That's kind of slowed down a little bit and it's gone back to being the Josh Allen show. Now everyone will look and they will rave about how Josh Allen finished the game against the Miami Dolphins. The one thing that is concerning and remains concerning, the turnovers. Yeah. In playoff games, uh, turnovers are not only a deciding factor, but they are like these the, the cause of these emotional swings that can really change the the, the, the momentum of the game. When you have a turnover, particularly in the red zone, man, it can be demoralizing in those things. And so for Josh Allen, who has really struggled with his turnovers, he struggled with his turnovers in the red zone. He has to find a way to remain the gunslinger, but he can't be reckless as he tries to kind of toe the line of being a very aggressive playmaker.
3: I saw a stat last week, Bucky, that said that uh, when Josh Allen does not have a turnover, his bills are undefeated. He has never lost a game as the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills when he doesn't have a turnover. So it seems like a very simple metric. But, of course, as a former player, you know better than I do how difficult it is to keep a clean sheet, so to speak, in a game. Um, And certainly against the Steelers offense that is designed to harangue and harass Alex Highsmith and, of course, T.J. Watt. Well, the news on T.J. Watt, he's not out officially this week. But NFL insider Ian Rappaport says that the injury, the knee injury that T.J. Watt is dealing with today, after what we saw Mm -hmm. in that game on Saturday, uh, is a two-week minimum recovery time. Let's say T.J. Watt is not out there. There is still hope for a Steelers team. When you have guys like Alex Highsmith um, and some other guys that you will name-check now, this is maybe an overlooked defense when you consider that T.J. Watt tends to steal the spotlight when there are so many people around him who are producing at a very high level.
4: And I won't take anything away from T.J. Watt. Like he's an all-pro. He's an all-timer. Led the league in sacks three times. It's never been done before. Um, he's a guy that consistently harasses the quarterback. The one thing that the Steelers have done, and it has really helped them, is they have been able to really get by with newcomers, and then these, these, these gray beers that they picked up off the street that have been able to play. We've seen Miles Jack make plays. We've yes. seen Eric Rowe, yes. Patrick Peterson, and those guys make plays at the second and third level respectively. But they had a, a rookie, Nick Herbick, who has kind of come on. He was a fourth-round pick, 132 overall. On Wisconsin, three sacks, baby. Three sacks, five tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. When they needed to finish the game, He's been able to finish the game and yes. do some things. And so um, really good player. If you, you're thinking about someone who could kind of be the X factor with T.J. Watt being out, Herbie is the guy you need to keep your eye on.
3: Baldy early in the season uh, called out something that he had witnessed at Steelers camp that Herbie had basically attached himself to <coughs> T.J. To Watt to learn how to become mm-hmm. a pro, to learn how to become a good pro, a better pro. Um, And he may have done just that. He may be learning a lot from T.J. Watt, but obviously he has his own skill set, and that skill set will be on display, especially if T.J. Watt can't go uh, in this game against the Bills. That's Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Okay, the NFL playoffs are here, guys, and it all starts this weekend. 12 teams, six games, three days, and one epic weekend. Super wild card weekend presented by Verizon. On Saturday, there are two games, Browns at Texans. That's 4.30 p.m. Eastern Mm. on NBC. The nightcap there, Dolphins at Chiefs, that's 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. And then you've got a Sunday and Monday slate. Steelers at Bills, the game we just talked about. That's Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern on CBS. You've got Packers at Cowboys Sunday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Then you've got Rams at Lions on Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And then Monday, the final game, the final act of drama in Super Wildcard Weekend. Eagles at Buccaneers. That's 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and ABC. Let's turn now, Bucky, to that first Saturday game. Browns at Texas. Now, Browns at Texans, 430 Eastern, Mm -hmm. NBC. Browns a road favorite by two and a half. Browns the keepers of the top total defense in the NFL. Mm. Texans keepers of a rookie trio for the ages. Rookie head coach D'Amico Ryans. Rookie offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, and rookie quarterback, of course, C.J. Stroud. Buck, I want to believe, just as a viewer, without a horse Mm. in the race, that the Texans can win this game. In your estimation, what would that
4: take? It would take C.J. Stroud being what he's been all season, a terrific passer, uh, an efficient playmaker, one that takes care of the ball while also kind of towing that line between being a high-risk, big-play hunter and someone that understands when to check it down and do those things. This is a Texans offense that pushes the ball down the field. Um, They don't have Tank Dale, but, man, Nico Collins – uh, has emerged as a big time player. They should be able to get maybe Robert Woods back and do some things, Bourbon Jordan, Dalton State. They, they've used a lot of different players to make plays. It's CJ Stroud's ability to attack a secondary that is really good. One of the reasons why the Browns are number one in defense is their ability to lock up, play man-to-man across the board, bring five at all times, um, and really disrupt the rhythm of your offense. Martin Emerson on the outside, Greg Newsome on the outside, Denzel Ward on the outside. They can cover anybody and everybody. And because they can cover, it allows Jim Schwartz to be very aggressive and creative with how he wants to attack the quarterback. So it's going to be important for the Texans receivers to be able to beat bump and run coverage, because if you can't deal with the bump and run coverage, you have no chance. The game is going to be one outside because how they fare outside will determine how they ultimately can perform by running inside and being able to kind of control the box.
3: It's a stupid question to ask you what's the secret to CJ Stroud's success, but I did overhear you yesterday in a production meeting talking about the chemistry that CJ has developed with his wide receivers. You mentioned of course Tank Dell being out. That is significant when you look at how they have fared mm-hmm. with him and without him on the field. However, you know, Full speed ahead, they are playing this game without him, and they have every reason to believe that they're going to make a good game of it. But mm-hmm. you talked about developing this chemistry between quarterback and wide receiver. What are you seeing specifically that, 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 that gives you that point of analysis? What is so special about C.J. Stroud attacking a secondary?
4: Well, I think when you watch them on tape, uh, they play the game where it appears that Nico Collins could finish C.J. Stroud's sentences. Interesting. Um, old C.J. married Stroud, couple kind of kind of stuff yeah, CJ Stroud lets the ball go well before uh, Collins is out the break but they always kind of seem to find each other and the only way that can be developed is yeah a ton of practice reps ton of reps on the field you're just throwing on air and those things but it's also the chemistry and connectivity that you develop when you're around one another the best teams are the most connected teams the best quarterback receiver tandems are the ones that were always around each other you have a a feel for their body language and hey he leans this way so you know he's going the other way and you only glean that from being around him. Uh, So I feel like all the physical traits that we can talk about playing the position, IQ, arm talent, anticipation, pocket poise, all all of that is terrific. CJ Stroud's best traits, his connectivity, his ability to kind of lead and kind of get the camaraderie right, uh, those things matter. I think he, story, he had the guys come over, not every day, like, and eat at his house with his chef preparing. So it's not only selfless, but it's the time spent together, all of that stuff. You begin to develop that chemistry that you need to be successful.
3: The kind of chemistry that probably has C.J. Stroud wishing his teammates a Happy New Year well into January. Um, yes. Okay, Buck, yes. Uh, it was, you know, it's interesting you should say that because, guys, when we think about – the kind of quarterback wide receiver or quarterback pass catcher tandems that we always say there's something magical between them we would always talk about Patrick Mahomes and Travis Mm -hmm. Kelsey Uh, we would talk about Tom Brady and Julian Edelman um, occasionally you will hear references to in the old days, well not that old the old days of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Um, there are these guys that have this kind of unspoken connection and Bucky Brooks is, r- is drawing our attention to this unspoken connection that C.J. Stroud, yes a rookie, mm-hmm. has with this previously unknown, no disrespect Nico Collins, uh, that's something to look for. Best play of this past weekend, uh, week 18 for me was that, was that bomb uh, 2 uh, Nico Collins, it was just effortless and the timing was, was was extraordinary and he dropped it in the bucket and he does it he makes it look really, really easy, doesn't he?
4: Yeah, he does. And we'll get to a game later on where we talk about the Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, sir. The same thing has happened with Jordan Love and his young receivers. Because they spend so much time together, like they, they get it. There's a there's a feel, there's a chemistry, there's the connectivity. It's almost like if we've been playing pick up basketball at lunchtime for years and years on end. I know that if I dribble to a certain spot and I just throw the ball to the corner, you're sitting there ready to shoot because yes. we played for so long. That's the kind of chemistry that you want to develop, but the only way you can develop that is you have to have like a true kinship and friendship that exists beyond our working relationship on the field. It it it's more than just that.
3: There's one other matchup that I want you to just address very quickly. Miles Garrett uh preseason early season defensive player of the year shoe in mm. his case has weakened a little bit ever since he felt that pop in his shoulder in week 12 since then he has lacked a little pop with only mm. one sack uh, he had 13 before week 12 going up against Laramie Tunsell, who just made his fourth Pro Bowl team that mm. is a matchup that feels significant to me now obviously Jim Schwartz may put Miles Garrett on either side of the line he's not always going to be lined up against Laramie Tunsil but when he is that one feels like a matchup to watch
4: Oh, that's a heavyweight fight. It's a heavyweight fight because you're talking about one of the best pass protectors in football in Laramie Tunsil and Miles Garrett, who is a generational talent uh, at the edge rusher position. The thing that Jim Schwartz has done, he may not even give him that matchup. He may move him around and find the weaker link on the offensive line and allow Miles Garrett to be able to go after him. We've seen Jim Schwartz has really allowed these guys to kind of have fun. He've, he's encouraged them to kind of be creative, celebrate, Dance, do all this other stuff. So, we've seen Miles Garrett do basketball crossovers before he attacks on a pass rush. I think we will see some of that because the way that you want to deal with CJ Stroud, you may not want to come off the edges. You may want to come right up the gut to make him get off of his spot to see if he can be an effective passer on the move. So, look for Miles Garrett to not only play right and left defensive end, but look for him to work on the, the guards in the, ta- in the center to see if he can find a weak link that allows him a free pass to the quarterback.
3: Uh, that's a free viewer's guide from Bucky Brooks. We threw that one in at no cost to you. Bucky, let's turn now to what could be the best game of the entire Super Wild Card weekend. Dolphins, Chiefs, Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. Make a note of that. It's on Peacock. Chiefs are favored in this one by three and a half. This is a rematch of the Frankfurt game Mm -hmm. earlier in the season in which the Chiefs raced out to that 21-zip lead and held on for the 21-14 win. A little bit of a disappointing second half, but the Dolphins made a game of it. Dolphins are banged up. Uh, Chiefs are bewildering. Mm -hmm. Bucky, break it down. Where does your mind go when thinking about this one?
4: So everyone who has followed the Chiefs the last five or six years since Pat Mahomes has come uh, on board and kind of really opened our eyes to, like, the way the quarterback position could be Really tapped into our imagination. We're so used to seeing the Chiefs play a certain way. This version of the Chiefs cannot operate like that. It's almost like going from a fast break team in basketball to having to be a half court basketball team. And so this is what they are on offense. They just don't have the weapons on the outside to threaten down the field. Travis Kelsey is an older, descending player. Um, Isaiah Pacheco is probably their best offensive player Rasheed Rice is showing promise, but he's still more of an intermediate playmaker. The strength of the Chiefs, their defense. And if Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes can lean into a complimentary football strategy that prioritizes making sure they set the defense up for success, rather than getting cued and trying to be aggressive, they can win another title. It'll look different, but they can do it. It's just a matter of, does Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have the patience to live in this slow down world when they're so used to kind of being up and down. Irvin,
3: Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson, you put his, you put that image in my head just now, because he could run a fast break like nobody but he could also run a half-court offense like nobody. And if there's anybody in the league that has that magic, maybe not in his name, but certainly in his soul, it is Patrick Mahomes. So this is a team that seems to ha- seems to be cast correctly for an adjustment in approach, that the likes of which you're talking about. But if we put a finer point on it, listener, he is saying, uh, number 10, Isaiah Pacheco, That's important. There's your complimentary piece to set up the defense uh, to create looks that will be successful for you and, of course, to rely on a top-five defense in the NFL this year. Let's give Steve Spagnuolo and that unit all the credit they deserve. They're the reason that the Chiefs are in the conversation right now. It is not because of the offense. It is because of that defense. Um, Early thoughts on how this one goes down?
4: Oh, I think, look, I think the Kansas City Chiefs win it. I think the Kansas City Chiefs, now that they're in the playoffs, they know how to win it. And I think they'll do whatever they need to do because it takes three for them to get it done. I think they'll do that because that wildcard weekend, divisional round, they'll take their chances in the championship game. You get them there, then Pat Mahomes understands how to win it. So for me, this is the ultimate reset. Now they're here. The hardest thing when you're a champion is to go back and kind of deal with all the stuff that happens in the regular season when they're in the games that matter. And because they matter, I think you'll see a different style from the Chiefs. One, where they embrace a little more of the dink and dunk passing game to go with the running game and the defense leading the way.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring –
3: You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast, Andrew Levy with Bucky Brooks, and we are discussing Super Wild Card weekend matchups. Now, Bucky has talked us through the AFC side. Now let's turn to the NFC side of the bracket. Six teams, three games, one goal, survive and advance, baby. Survive and advance, starting with this.
0: Cowboys pick up their 12th win. They're NFC East champs again, and they've got at least one home game. The number two seed locked up. Jordan Love has just won the biggest game of his career, and he is starting to figure this game out. They are dangerous.
3: The Packers and the Cowboys kickoff in Dallas on Sunday, 430 Eastern on Fox. You talked about this game. You hinted at this game earlier. Now, Dallas is a a 7.5-point favorite. Bucky, the odds say the Cowboys should win. And if they do win, it will have been because of what?
4: Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb going absolutely bonkers on the perimeter. That's been the formula for the Cowboys this season. They've been throwing the ball all over the yard. No one has been able to slow down uh, this tandem, and they have to continue to ride it. When they play at home, they just run people completely up out the building. Mike McCarthy is very comfortable uh, calling the plays on this offense. It looks different. They're still trying to be balanced, but – He's done a really good job of creating easy opportunities for Dak Prescott. Prescott's playing at an all-pro level. If they play their game, the game that we've seen them play at home, man, it's hard to stay on the field with them. They're averaging almost 40 points a yeah. game at home. There's a 22-point differential in their favor at home. If they're rolling and rolling early, it's going to be hard for the Packers to stay with them. If you're the Packers and Matt floor what you're hoping for is – couple bounces go your way, a turnover early, the pressure flips, sets on the shoulders of the heavily favored Cowboys. And then they begin to press because what we've seen in recent years, the Cowboys have melted down in critical situations. So the entire goal of the Green Bay Packers is, let's keep them under pressure. Let's keep stacking points, putting field goals up, doing stuff where they have to play. And if we can get them into the fourth quarter, we can knock them out because they've proven that they haven't been a great finishing team in the postseason.
3: That was your point of analysis with the Texans, and it it applies here in your estimation to the Packers make it a 15 minute game get into the fourth quarter keep it close and now the pressure has shifted to the home team the home team that's already saddled with this 27 year gap uh you know since their last triumph in the postseason a lot of questions a lot of concerns a lot of assumptions that this team is going to figure out a way to lose in the playoffs well On the other side, the Packers in the playoffs in the first year after Aaron Rodgers. Keep in mind, listener, Aaron Rodgers didn't make the playoffs in his first year after Brett Mm -hmm. Favre. Jordan Love is in the tourney. Remarkable when you consider the tonnage of shit talk that this kid endured during the first half of this season alone. So I can infer from what you're saying, Bucky, that pressure is off the Packers. It's their intention to put that pressure on their opponent, on Mm -hmm. the home team, the heavily favored Dallas Cowboys. But a quick word on Jordan Love. This is one of your former teams. This is a team. To, to with whom you have a great affection and connection, what is it about Jordan Love that casts him perfectly as the man of this moment?
4: Uh, he's ready. And the reason why he's ready is because he wasn't thrust into the role before before he was, before uh, he he was ready. Yeah. And so what the Packers have done, and despite all the naysayers and despite all the noise around the team, when they elected to take him, traded up, took him in the first round, didn't play him for three seasons, now he has his opportunity to play. Well, what they've done is, they followed the Aaron Rodgers blueprint to enable him to have success. Sitting him there, letting him go through it, letting him do the preseason games, letting him watch how a high-end quarterback operates. He was able to learn. And what we've seen is now the game's not too big for him. The other thing that has happened, and this would be a bit of vindication for the front office from the backers, for years, all we've heard about is, oh, they don't have any weapons. They need to give Aaron Rodgers weapons, yada, yada, yada. Get them weapons, this and that. And I have maintained that, look, there's a way that they develop receivers in Green Bay that has always worked for them. Uh, look, Going all the way back to when I was there in the mid-'90s, it was – Robert Brooks, and Antonio Freeman, and Derrick Mays, and, and then on and on, Donald Driver, and James Jones, and Ronald Cobb, and Devontae Adams, and Jordy Nelson, and all of these guys that have come through the building that were draft picks outside of the first round, that had to go through a rite of passage, pump returner, then you're the number three, then you become the number two, and then you work your way in, and it's worked. So now I look at this team, and I'm looking at all these young Rookies that are playing with Jordan Love. He has great chemistry with them because he's throwing them the ball a ton. He intentionally did things to make sure that they were connected from a camaraderie standpoint. And I'm watching these guys develop. You look at Don Terry Wicks, you talk about Jaden Reed and the tight ends, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Crap, like all of these young guys that they're playing with. And it looks like, wow, they haven't skipped a beat. And so The front office feels vindicated for their approach, despite all the naysayers. Um, The quarterback feels vindicated because everyone took slings and arrows at him. And so now they're in the postseason on a big stage against America's team. And they can kind of just let it rip and see what it looks like.
3: Uh, Translation, in case you're not paying attention, uh, the future in Green Bay, no matter what happens against the Cowboys, is bright, (laughs) y'all.
2: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul. Sum 41, 30 seconds from Mars. Oh, and two-door cinema club.
3: Andrew Levy with Bucky Brooks. We're talking Super Wild Card Weekend, and we have reached NFC game number two, Rams at Lions. That's Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBC Bucky storylines for days in this one, mostly of the revenge and reunion variety. Reunion, of course, for Matthew Stafford, who returns to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Revenge, of course, for Jared Goff, who gets a chance to rub Sean McVay's face in a little something-something. Now, he may have to do it without his rookie sensation at tight end, Sam Laporte. And I have no ill will toward the Rams. I loved their Super Bowl mm-hmm. run. I love Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams. I have a, a, a real affection for, for you know Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. But I am rooting for Jared Goff, Bucky. I am rooting for the Lions. I have family in Novi, and quite simply, I want them to be happy. They waited a long time for this brand of joy, and I hope they get it. Mm -hmm. But on the Goff tip, I do like it, too, when underappreciated and undervalued players and people in any situation in life get to turn scorn into supremacy, even Mm -hmm. if just for a day. The Lions are favored by three and a half. The Rams are empirically dangerous right now. Bucky, what's the story here?
4: The uh, story is, can Jared Goff manages emotions mm. in the revenge game? Mm. You talked about the reunion versus the revenge game. The reunion for Matthew Stafford, he's stepping back to a place where he was revered and adored and celebrated. And was not kicked out of town. Not he made town. the choice to leave. That's right. Jared Goff was kicked out. And not only was he kicked out, but then there was a lot of this uh, stuff that came out about his inability to be able to handle the complex offense and how much – handholding holding that Sean McVay do? Well, this is a chance for him to show people that, look, I am also a number one overall pick, like the guy on the other sideline that took my place. I also led that team with Sean McVay calling plays to a Super Bowl, didn't win it, but I'm very well capable of playing at a championship game uh, level. This is a chance for him to do it. If he can keep his emotions in check, the Rams defense is good, not great. So they have great skill in Detroit. Uh, I would anticipate him being fired up if he keeps it together. They should have plenty of opportunities a lot to light the score for
3: them. The energy that I'm getting from you in this moment suggests that you have every expectation that the Detroit Lions get a win in this game.
4: Oh, I think so. I think Detroit is look, man, one of the threats to knock off the 49ers in the NFC, the way that they are built. And I, I think people have to remember look, they they should have beat the Cowboys. They should've beat the Dallas Cowboys. They should be the number they two. They did, seed didn't they? In, in in the thing. I mean they did <laughs> oh, hold everything on. Too that they too soon? were supposed to Supposed to do defensively, they they can challenge you and go after you. Aiden Hutchinson is a monster. Uh, They play a physical style. They have arguably the best offensive line in football. There are a lot of things that won't be discussed that tip the skills tip the skills in the Lions' favor. Uh, It's just a matter of Jared Goff not making it too personal with him and Sean McVay. And just doing what he needs to do has got to seem to win. The Lions fans that
3: I know, and I know quite a few of them, are nervous. How hard is it for a player, for an NFL player, to keep nerves out of the equation when you approach a game like this that they know as players means so much to this franchise and so much to this city?
4: Uh, you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And in these games where people mess up is they try and make it more than what it is. At the end of the day, it's the same game. The playoff pressure, you can acknowledge it, but – you still got to play the same game. It's blocking, tackling, it's running to the ball, it's taking care of the ball, it's not giving up big plays, and it's dominating the kicking game. If you can keep it as simple as that, one play at a time, don't think too far ahead, don't reflect on what just happened, just focus on the moment and see if you can just keep stacking individual wins with the collective, that's how you win games. And Dan Campbell, Aaron Glenn, remember, Detroit Lions have a bunch of former players On their coaching staff. So even though you have a young, inexperienced playoff team, you got a lot of guys that can kind of pour into the players and say, hey guys, look, this is how we have to approach this. One game at a time. Don't make it too big. Just focus on the process, and the result will eventually turn out the way that you want it.
3: And the result, as Bucky Brooks sees it, should be, very well might be, a Detroit Lions win. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Bucky Brooks, and we have one final game to discuss today. It's the sixth of six super wild card weekend games between the Eagles and the Bucks. Eagles at Buccaneers, that's Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and ABC. Eagles, the road favorite, by two and a half. Now, the Bucks have just secured their third straight NFC South title with that rampaging nine zip. Victory over the vaunted Panthers. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Eagles come into this one having lost five of their final six Mm -hmm. games bigger, including that embarrassing loss to the Giants in which both Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown were dinged up. No news on A.J. Brown today. Uh, No fracture, luckily, in the finger of Jalen Hurts, but reports of a fractured locker room certainly don't help matters much in Philly. Bucky, teams that come into the playoffs on a run of form like the Eagles are on never make the championship round. But job number one is to get to the divisional round. I don't like either team in this game, certainly in light of their recent performances. Give us all a reason to watch this one.
4: Ooh, uh it's tough. The, you can't worry too much about the Bucs winning 9-0 in those games against teams that don't have anything to play for. All you're trying to do is win. It can be the toughest game to get. It's almost akin to like when, when you have sports that have seven-game series, they talk about how tough the elimination game is. That's what those games are to clinch, tough. For the Philadelphia Eagles, like what you have is losses in five out of your last six games. Whenever you lose, no matter how long you've played in the league, you begin to lose confidence. When you start stacking together, four-game losing streaks, five out of the last six, you begin to question everything that you've done previously. Why are we doing these drills? It doesn't work. We're not getting the result that we want. The only way that the Eagles can turn this around is they have to – starting on the first meeting. Hey guys, whatever we did in the regular season, doesn't matter. It's a new season there, we got a reprieve. Let's see if we can build it back up. And Nick Sirianni has to consider hey, let's. how can we build this back up from the ground up, from scratch? Is that more Jalen Hurts run game? Is it, how do we prioritize the weapons in, in the passing game? What do we want to be? What gives us the best chance to win? If he is able to kind of dig deep and get them back to being a run first football team and find a way to get them just to play with more effort and attitude on defense. Yeah, they have a chance to write it. i got to tell you,
3: Buck, though, that doesn't sound ideal, does it? Having to start from scratch as a coaching staff in January um, at, ahead of the first playoff game. That's certainly not an ideal condition, but you said it so calmly. I believe you're, I believe what you're saying, which is that, okay, it's not ideal, but it is possible.
4: Oh, it's 100% possible. It's not ideal, but... You only need to win one game to change momentum. And so if you're Nick Sirianni, you tell them, hey guys, all we gotta do is win a game. No matter how we got here, we're here. We're in the tournament, uh, we're at the fifth seed, we have a chance to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we win that, we're now in the semis, and we're two games away from going to the show. You focus on that, you eliminate all that other stuff. You can't even talk about it like, hey, let's focus on, here's how you wanna do it, shrink the playbook, see if you can get the team to play fast, See if the other team can truly beat you, or will they implode? So just do simple things. See if you can do simple better.
3: One of the themes of Bucky Brooks's analysis today is about shifting pressure, applying pressure where it's possible to do so. And the Eagles can apply pressure to the entire NFC if they can get past the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road in this last game of the Super Wild Card weekend, but the first game for them as they attempt to do what they did last year, which is to finish on the NFC mountaintop at least and win the NFC and get to Super Bowl 58. It seems unlikely at this point, but take heart, Philadelphia Eagles fans and players and coaches, too. It can be done. Bucky just reminded us that that's your job. Job number one, beat the Bucks. Can they do it? You expect them to
4: do it. I do. I think they bounce back. I know Todd Bowles is going to heat them up and going to come after them, but I expect them to bounce back. Philadelphia, in general, has always been a tough city with a tough team. We will find out a lot about this team as it's constructed. Are they tough enough to do it? We also find out a lot about the coach. In the end, under pressure, um, your, your, your flaws, your warts are revealed. Can Nick Sirianni clearly look at the team's flaws and say, hey, here's where we're weak. We need to play this way, and this way will give us the best way, path to win it. Let the
3: record show that in the offseason, before this season even began, Bucky Brooks sat in that chair and he said, keep an eye on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season because this will finally be Todd Bowles' team. This will be a Todd Bowles' Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. I didn't know what you meant then. I know what you mean now. He's done a pretty damn good job with this team.
4: No, he has. And the fact that they lost six out of seven at one point during the stretch and they found a way to win their third straight division title, they celebrated that. In the locker room, when well, all bets are off, um, this is a team that can give Philly some tough uh, matchups. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans on the outside, being able to win those one-on-ones because the Eagles don't have anybody that can cover him. Baker Mayfield, when he plays within him, himself, plays within his limitations, he's good enough, and we've seen him for the most part. He's done that. Tough team because they're going—they're going to blitz Jalen Hurts from the time that he walks off the bus to the time that he departs the stadium. How well he handles the constant harassment and pressure will determine if the Buccaneers get the extra possessions that they want. If they do it, they'll cash in, they'll win.
3: Two things, listener. I don't know that it's legal for them to blitz uh, Jalen Hurts the moment he steps off the bus. I will look into that, too. I want to thank today's special guest, Bucky Brooks, for his Viewer's Guide to Super Wild Card Weekend. Twelve teams, six games, uh, one goal survive in advance. Bucky Brooks, thank you for your time today. Hey, thanks for having me. And I want to invite the listener to join us tomorrow when Super Bowl champion Sean O'Hara will be the guy in the chair and he's going to fill out his playoff bracket live. That's tomorrow. Till then, ciao for now.